This morning, uh, we do have a special guest speaker uh, to bring to you this today. Uh, very excited and very blessed um, to have Nathan and Kim Thompson with us. And uh, wait, 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 I'm gonna tell you a little bit about him and then you can clap, okay. Um, Nathan and Kim went to San Luis Potosi close to 30 years ago to start a church and to plant a church. And uh, that church, Agua Viva, has been going strong, uh, I think close to 28 years. And uh, just a fantastic work. And the vision that God placed in Nathan's heart was to raise up a church that would in itself raise up missionaries to go to um, Muslim countries to take the gospel. And it, it's an incredible strategy, it's an incredible vision. And today there are 13, 14, 16 missionaries that have been trained up, raised up. We're talking about local Mexicans who have heard the gospel through that ministry, been trained up to take the gospel, and, then, and, are, now, and are now in predominantly Islamic countries um, where guys like me would stick out like a sore thumb. Uh, Hispanic people can go in and blend in a little bit easier and uh, really do some incredible ministry work. Nathan went to Mexico as a child with his parents who were also missionaries. And so his whole life has been spent investing his life into the furtherance of the gospel. And we're just very blessed and honored to have Nathan Thompson with us this morning. Let's give him a hand as he comes. I am so proud of my church, proud of the generations and the legacy, and proud of Matt and Heather and the guys. And um, we just came back from Indiana. We had a Thompson family reunion. And as we closed the family uh, reunion in prayer at Lincoln Park in Indiana, uh, we prayed for each other and Philip. My brother led a prayer for the Bell family. Um, the Bell family has been uh, an important influence in our life, in our family's life. And so we, uh, we honor the Bells. We honor what God has done through this church. Uh, Matt's grandfather dedicated all our kids. And um, so we've been pastored by three generations of Bells and found out yesterday that Mitchell is the up-and-coming... i tell you what. And so, uh, you know, uh, now I'm rethinking this invitation that I've given you to come for our 28th church anniversary this November, and maybe we'll just invite Mitchell. And so, uh, really proud of the, of the Bell boys. And... Uh, Another thing that's real important is that tomorrow is Pastor Matt's birthday. 37. Can you imagine? 37. And Matt, I, I brought something that uh, I want to give you. And it's, uh, it's my book. From Missionary Field to Missionary Force. Uh, 
a glimpse of what God is doing in Latin America. Love you, man. Happy birthday. Can we stand and give Matt a clap, uh, recognition for 37 years and going strong. <laughs> I know Matt is a strong guy because uh, a couple years ago when uh, we did a, I did a tour, I was his chauffeur through, throughout Mexico. He got sick. Uh, it wasn't in San Luis. I think it was in another city. But by the time he got to San Luis, he was uh, very, very sick and uh, preached Sunday morning. Then we made a beeline straight to Guanajuato, and he preached that afternoon. And uh, I thought, my goodness, this... This young whippersnapper, um, he's got some oomph, and he preached really well, and he, even his sense of humor was, was great, and it translated perfectly, and so I'm just really proud of the Bells and proud of you, Pastor Matt, and um, oh, proud of this church also, and uh, if you have a picture of Andrew Brunson back there in the PowerPoint, I want to thank all of you guys that have been praying for Andrew Brunson. Andrew Brunson is our friend in Turkey. Kim and I have stayed in his and Noreen's home in Izmir, Turkey. In, on October 7th, 2016, he was arrested. He and his wife arrested for uh, accused of being terrorists for preaching the gospel. I don't know if you know, but Turkey has declared that Christianization is an act of terror. And just last Wednesday, Andrew met the judge for the third time, went to court for the third time in what seems to be a mock um, jury and mock court system. And uh, nothing was resolved. He was sent back to prison till October 12th, 2018. Now, we've been praying, and a lot of you guys have been praying, and I want to thank you for that. Uh, we want to keep praying for our friend Andrew Brunson. Andrew was raised in San Luis Potosí, uh, the child of a, a missionary couple, raised a couple hours east of us, grew up in Mexico, had been praying that God would send Mexican missionaries to Turkey. And God just put us together in our first team that went out uh, 18 years ago is still working with him and so uh, please keep praying for Andrew Brunson we're praying that he will be freed the justice will be served and another thing that we are specifically praying for in Agua Viva is that those that have had encounters with him either in the cell the overpopulated cells or the judges or the lawyers that they would be converted to Jesus Christ and that a whole crop of ex-Muslim converts would become evangelists in all of the Middle East. God does neat things like that. And so I would like to invite you to pray with me right now for my friend Andrew. Would you pray with me? Yes. Heavenly Father, thank you for Andrew's life. <clears throat> it's almost been two years that he's been unjustly incarcerated and it just seems to go on and on and on. But I know that you're doing something. I don't see everything you're doing, but I know that you're doing something, Lord, in him and in others that are around him. And I just ask, God, that you would have every lie 
fall to pieces, that he would be placed in, uh, in liberty. God, that many that have gotten to know him in the prison system would convert to Jesus Christ and become Saul's of Tarsus that were arrested on their uh, way to Damascus and become great evangelists in the Middle East. Bless Noreen and Jacqueline and, and Blaze and Jordan, their children. Lord, as they have gone through this, this trial, uh, not being with their dad. We ask you for the team that keeps ministering or has been steadfast in ministry in Izmir. Lord, that they would not faint. They would keep strong in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Keep praying for, for Andrew. Keep praying for Andrew. I'd like to invite you to uh, consider something that the Lord placed on my heart. And if my son-in-law, Julio, will help me. Um, it's been 40 years that Moses has been on the far end of the desert. 40 years since the last time he heard that God might use him. 40 years where he's been carrying a staff, shepherding his father-in-law's sheep. 40 years possibly wondering, what in the world am I doing here? It's been 40 years since God last spoke to him. It was 40 years ago when he thought that God told him that he was going to liberate the children of Israel and he killed an Egyptian with his bare hands. And I'm sure it has been 40 years as he goes and revisits that incident and wonders, did, did I mess up? Did I do what God was calling me to do? And as he plays that Time and time again, I just wonder if there wasn't a little bit of remorse. Maybe I, maybe I messed up. Maybe I, maybe I missed God. Maybe it wasn't about freeing the children of Israel. And for 40 years, he's probably replayed and replayed and replayed that same scene and wondered what he could have done different. And now he's shepherding Jethro's sheep. He's working for another man. How many times... He may have replayed how he might have done uh, the, the, the slaying of the Egyptian or that event, how he might have played that a little differently. How many times he may have blamed himself. I shouldn't have done that. Should have done it differently. And he dwells on the failures of the past. And so in Exodus chapter 3, we find that God reveals himself to Moses with the burning bush. You know the story in Exodus chapter 3. And for the first time in 40 years, he, he knows that God is there. And God is now telling him, I want to use you, Moses. I want you to be the man that goes back to Egypt, and I want to use you to liberate the children of Israel. And so we get to chapter Four, and th this is where I'm going to dwell today. And I want to challenge you that God looks at Moses. He commissions Moses. Moses doesn't feel like he's worthy to be used of God. And I believe that one of the reasons that God has placed this on my heart today is because I believe that there are some of you today who believe that you're not worthy to be used by God. Maybe because of failures of the past. Maybe because of 
your own inadequacies. But listen, God has always called people who are inadequate. God has always called failures to be successes. And if you're here this afternoon, I just may have a word for you. Just may have a word for you. So, I'd like you to accompany me to Exodus chapter 4. And I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. If I can set that there and not fall. Verse 1 says, but Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me? Or what if they won't listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is it you have in your hand? And Moses had a stick in his hand, a staff. What is it you have in your hand? And this is going to be one of the questions I believe that God is addressing us today. What is it you have in your hand? What is it that you think you possess? What is it that you think is yours? And I'll begin to describe that a little bit down the road. Then the Lord asked him, what is it that you have in your hand? And Moses replied, a shepherd's staff. King James says a rod. And Ivy says a staff. Verse 3 says, throw it down on the ground. That's kind of unusual. So Moses throws it down. And as soon as he throws it down, uh, throws the staff down, it turned into a snake and Moses jumped back. He had never seen anything like this before. I bet you you've never seen anything like that before either. Then the Lord told him, verse 4, reach out and grab its tail. Now, if I was there, I would say, God, are you crazy? You are obviously not from this part of the desert. Here we grab snakes by the neck, by the head. But you're asking me to grab it by the tail? Listen, I believe that God will always ask us to do risky things in obedience to him. But obedience is so important. So when Moses reaches down and grabs the staff or the snake by the tail, it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Performing this sign, the Lord uh, told him, then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, really appeared to you. I'm going to jump down to verse 10. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, O oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. It's one of my favorite verses in the world. One of the greatest leaders of all time was not very eloquent. He was not a very good speaker. But one thing Moses had was that he was obedient. If you're thinking right now that you've got to be eloquent to obey God, 
You're mistaken. You just need to be obedient. Are you with me? Are you with me? Verse 11 says, Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or they do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send someone else. I don't don't want to do this. And the Lord became angry with Moses. All right? All right. What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he is on his way to meet you now. He will be uh, delighted to see you. Talk to him and put his words and put the words in his mouth. I will be with you both. I will be with both of you as you speak and I will instruct you both in what to do. And Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff, pay attention to that, take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. Verse 18. So Moses went back home to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said, please let me return to my relatives in Egypt. Moses said, I don't even know if they are still alive. Go in peace, Jethro replied. Before Moses left Midian, The Lord said to him, return to Egypt, and all of those who wanted to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and sons and put them on a donkey and headed back to the land of Egypt. And in his hand, he carried, what does it say? The staff of God. Hmm. I want to speak about that in a little bit. Because what had happened was that the staff became transformed into from a stick in the wilderness to the staff of God. And I believe that God is wanting to challenge us to be transformed in a very similar way. So what is the staff? I've got some thoughts about what the staff might be in our lives. And I believe that it's not just for those called to the ministry, because the staff could represent the ministry. But here are my thoughts about what the staff is. Forty years ago, Moses probably found this stick in the desert, in the wilderness, and he picked it up and he said, hey, I can, I can use that for pastoring sheep or shepherding. So number one, I think that the staff could represent our profession our career, our our work, our ministry even. It's your breadwinner. For Moses, it represented the last 40 years of his life working for his father-in-law. It represented something that was also despicable to the Egyptians. Egyptians did not like shepherds. They thought they were yucky. They thought they were dirty. So what is it you have in your hand, God might ask? Is it something that seems yucky to the world? Is it something that God thinks, hey, I can can use that if you'll just release it. If you'll just throw it to the ground, I'll change it forever. 
Number two, it may be a crutch. I imagine Moses now is 80 years old, and this staff is, is like a crutch. It helps him walking through the desert. It's a point of support. You know, many times we need other people, or we think we need other people, and we begin, begin to be codependent with other people. I can't, I can't do that without, without you. You've got to go with me. Moses thought he couldn't do anything without Aaron. What's that that you have in your hand? Is it a crutch? Maybe it's your, your comfort. I like to sleep with my staff. I like to, to have this next to me in the desert. That way, you know, I can, I can talk to the staff. You know, when I'm out in the desert alone, it's a, it's a sign of comfort for me. It's also my security. Actually, I can take this staff, and if there's a snake in the desert, I can whack it and kill it. This staff is, is my security. I need this staff in the desert. It helps me kill scorpions. It helps me ward off mountain lions or, or animals. The staff is my security. A staff could also be our talent. You know, I'm really good with the guitar. I don't think I could serve God without a musical instrument. Maybe there is this awesome talent that God has given you. And yet I believe that even with the most awesome talents, God is also asking us, will you please just throw that to the ground and let me transform it for my honor and for my glory? Are you following me? Are you willing to give it up? I believe the staff also represents our life. And all of the above represent our life. The, 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 our profession, our ministry, our, our crutches, our comfort, security, our talents. But also, one of the things that really strikes me is I believe that the staff, particularly a shepherd staff, represented the past. Represented a shepherd's history. Because as they walked through the desert, they probably got to a point where they would sit down and they'd pull out their pocket knife and begin to, to carve maybe how many snakes they had killed in the desert. And so the staff would be marked with victories, possibly some defeats. But it is said of the shepherd's staff that there's marks of battles with snakes, battles with animals or predators, battles of where I marked my own victories, maybe even times that I stumbled and fell and the staff went before me and hit itself against a rock and, and now I see the, the marking of that, that failure. The staff represents our history. In Moses' case, it probably, probably represented 40 years of history wandering in the desert Shepherding his father-in-law's sheep. Forty years of history recorded in that staff. You know, all of us have history. It was 40 years ago this summer that I began to help dad going out to the villages and preaching. In 40 years, I have memories. Some very good memories. And some very painful memories. 
Memories of failure. Memories of stupid things I said. Memories of possibly offending people. Memories of thinking that I, I was doing something right. Memories of, of betrayal. Of good friends deciding that they were going to leave the relationship. What's on your staff? What's in your history? God wants to use your past and your pain to also bless your future. And not only bless your future, God wants to use your history, even your failures and your hurts, to help others to be successful in their journey through the desert. It's over 30 years ago that Kim and I had already gone onto the field and we faced one of the, the greatest challenges we had in our marriage. We went to counseling. We, did, we, we, we got married having vowed that we would never consider divorce. And at that stage, we considered it very painful part of our life. And I remember growing up in Mexico in, in the Latin culture, I believed that it was my duty to ensure that my wife was well submitted under the Lord and under me. <laughs> that was part of the problem. I know that now. I believe it was Frank Warren that came and spoke to me. He says, Nathan, that, that's not even in the Bible. <laughs> Submission has to be a voluntary thing. That's Kim's job, not yours. And so over the years, we, we worked through things, uh, and God really did a restoration, a very painful situation in our history, but now God is able to use that to bless other couples, even missionary couples on the field. There are things in our past that are painful and maybe shameful, things that we didn't do right. And God is saying, hey, will you, will you let go of that and let me transform that and let me use that? God, I, I don't want you to to take this staff from me. I, I don't want to let it go. It's my comfort. Let it go. God, I don't want people to know that I've been less than perfect. Nathan, they already know. Just let it go. Are you with me? And so God is wanting to take our history, our pains, our failures, and he's wanting to use it in order to bless you Bless your future and bless others. Now, one of the things here, I, I see uh, Moses has been in the desert for 40 years, but I'm reminded that God's delay does not mean that he has forgotten us. The fact that we've gone 40 years or, or 30 years or 20 years without hearing a direct uh, word from God does not mean that God has forgotten us. Are you with me? Some of you might may be sitting here thinking, God, God hasn't spoken to me in a very long time. 
I bet God has forgotten me. God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. Actually, God is never late. Mary and Martha thought that Jesus arrived late when Lazarus died, but Jesus was right on time. And God is always, always on time. I'd like to point out how God wants to transform a simple rod, a simple history, a simple crutch that we may have in our life into something that God can really use. Actually, in verse 2, Exodus 4.2, if you uh, can go back to that, Exodus 4.2, I'd like to show you in the text. The Lord said to, Mo to, to Moses, what is that you have in your hand? King James says, a rod. Just, just a simple shepherd's staff, just a stick. No identity, just a generic piece of wood. No purpose, no power. Listen, our history has no power until we give it over to God. Our pain, our failures of the past are only failures of the past until we turn it over to God. And God says to Moses, throw it down. Now this requires a lot of faith to just say, okay, God, I release this. I release this memory that every time I close my eyes, I'm thinking, I'm going over and over and over about how I would have done it different. Nathan, just release that. Give it over to me. And once we do that, something marvelous happens. Once we turn it over to God, something marvelous happens. In verse 17, God tells Moses, Take your shepherd's staff. Now it's not just a stick that was in the desert. Now it's something that is significant. Now it has identity. Now it's Moses' rod that was not just a stick. It actually turned into a serpent. Now normally throughout Scripture, uh, a serpent is, is something bad. A couple times throughout Scripture, a serpent is a symbol of something good. In one occasion, in Numbers, it, it represents Christ on the cross. But what my point is here, and what I think God is telling us is that we need to release our comfort zones. We need to release our, our hurts of the past for God to transform it into something that's living. Something that he can use. And so verse 17 says, and take your shepherd's staff with you. And use it to perform the miraculous signs that I've shown you. And then verse 20. So it's gone from a generic shepherd's staff to this or your shepherd's staff. To Exodus 4.20 that says, And Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and headed back to the land of Egypt. And in his hand, it was no longer something generic. It was no longer something that was of Moses' possession. It was now the staff of God. You know, we can own our hurts and mold them over forever and cry about it and say, why? Why? 
and wonder, will that stay? It will not. It will not. And wonder what we might have done different. But when we give our hurts and our past and our failures over to God, God will use that for his honor and for his glory. Several times over the years, I've been in missions conferences and at the IMA conference, and I see missionary kids. You can pick them out. Missionary kids standing off in a corner. They don't feel part of the event. They're kind of isolated. And because I've been there and turned that staff over to God, I've been able to go up to them and say, I, I know exactly what you're going through. I know you feel like you speak the language and, and you, you're here, but you're not here and you're not part of what's happening. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Well, let me tell you something. The fact is that God wants to use that for his honor and for his glory. Our hurts need to become his. Actually, when, when our hurts become his, here at Destiny Church, we'll see somebody walk in those back doors, a new person, and immediately we'll be able to identify this person is going through the exact same thing that I went through 20 years ago. And we can walk up to them and say, listen, I know what you're going through. Let me help you. Let me guide you. Let me help you find what I found in Jesus Christ. He made my pain go away. I still have the scars. But listen, God healed me so that we might be a blessing to other people. That's the whole point. Now I have a word of caution. You know, in, in Numbers chapter 20, you know why Moses didn't go into the promised land? He had a staff. The people were complaining. This is about 40 years afterwards. The people were complaining. They were saying, we don't have water. And God told Moses and Aaron to go to the rock and to speak to the rock. And that it would gush water. And Moses was so put out, he was mad. I think in Texas you say mad as a hornet. <laughs> he was mad. He was mad, maybe at God. He was mad at the people. But the Bible says he took that staff and he beat that rock. Twice. God said, and water did gush out. But God said, Moses, because you did not honor me, that staff was not yours to beat that rock. I know what you were feeling inside. You would, you would have loved that that rock would be the people of Israel and you could beat the tar out of them. That's what Moses was feeling. 
Listen. When we've turned our ministry over, our calling over, our comfort zones over, when we, when we give our security over to God, when we give our hurts of the past over to God, we cannot take it back again and beat people with it. And because of that, Moses didn't go into the promised land. You did not honor me with the staff. I told you to speak, and you beat the tar out of the rock. Word of caution. When we turn things over to God, make sure that God always receives the honor and the glory of that staff, of that pain. If God has healed you of the pain and the, the, the memories of the past, make sure that you can always use that to help others to get over their situations and their pain and not to inflict more pain. Are you with me? So, as we wrap up today, I just want to ask, what will you do with what God has placed in your hand? With your staff? God wants everything that you think is yours. Hey, this is my staff. That's no, not. That's no, not. Everything you value this is not a message just to missionaries or to pastors. This is, this is God speaking to his people. Everything we value, everything we think is ours, he wants us to release it, to let it go, and let God use it for his honor and for his glory. He'll take a common stick and make it into a powerful testimony for his honor and for his glory. And when he does that, there's a word of caution. Do not abuse it. Use it wisely and watch God use your past, use your staff for his honor and for his glory. Does that make sense? Can we stand and I'd like to wrap up with a word of prayer. God, God, thank you for the, the story of Moses in Exodus 4. Thank you for the warnings. But thank you that you redeem not only our lives, but you redeem our past and our failures. And you're wanting to use those for your honor and for your glory. If we'll just, just let them go. And so Holy Spirit, I just ask you that as we are standing here this afternoon and consider what we have in our hands, maybe a staff, maybe a a ministry, maybe a talent, maybe, maybe something that comforts us, maybe failures and pains of the past. I just ask that your Holy Spirit would draw us into releasing that to you and that you would make that staff turned into our staff, changed completely into the staff of God. Holy Spirit, seal this word in each heart. And help us to put it into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Matt. Praise the Lord. Hold out your hand. Look at your hand. 
You may not see something there, but there's something there. There's gifts, talents. You know, this hand is connected to your brain, and you have nerves and stuff like that, but it's also connected to your heart. And you can start using that staff of God that's in your hand, your talents, as he said, or the love that you have in your heart to touch others. Earlier, I was thinking about Jody, and I remember what uh, some people told me yesterday. They said, uh, she's always uh, available. Seemed like, that's, that was a busy lady, but I, I, then I started thinking back. There's times, there were critical times where people were in trouble, and I mentioned it to her, she, she was available. She looked in her hand, and she said, I can use that for God. Now, look at the people around you. Look, look at somebody around you. Just look at them. They need you. They need a hug. They need the touch of God. They need the love of God. They need the eyes of God. We sung a song that said, How great is my God. You know how you show people how great God is? By the way you act as his servants. That's why this is a great church, Destiny Church. That's why yesterday was a sad day, but it was a great day because we served one another and we helped one another. Well, for a minute, look, look that way toward that door. Just look toward that door. There are many people out there that need you. They're all around you, they're at your work, they're wherever you're at, and you have a staff in your hand. And you can make that staff in your hand the staff of God to reach out to them. We don't know how long they're gonna be here. In a moment, they could be gone. In a moment, you could be gone. But you can take this wonderful life that God's given to you and the staff of God that God's put in your hand and use and do that today. Start today. What a blessing to serve our Lord. Destiny is a great church. Say that. Destiny is a great church. Because it's God's church. Say it's God's church. God's church. And we have a great God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, as we go out today, bless each individual. Let us just be aware, Lord, that you want to use us. You want to touch other people. That's why you picked Moses, because you wanted him to touch the people. You were speaking through him to touch the people of Israel. Lord, uh, you have touched us and spoken to us today because you want us to go out and touch the people's of the world. They're all important. Every man, every child, every woman, Lord, every one of them. For God so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in you would not perish, but have eternal life. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.